Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean. Thank you for taking part of our program today. Myself and my co-host, both financial advisors, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant, we work with people throughout the week as financial advisors, lead financial advisory teams, and then um, broadcast this program on the weekends. That is correct. Yeah. That is what we do. Both terrestrial radio as well as our podcast listeners. There's many, many more on the podcast. Yeah. Than terrestrial. So that's yes. the way of the world. It's where it's going. In fact, my children were making fun. Of, I subscribed to Sirius XM. And my kids were in the car recently, my adult children, and they're like, what is serious? Oh, the old... Um... Satellite. Yeah. Yes. And they're like... Well, how many people subscribe to that? Well, anymore? that was their question, which no, was... No, that was really... It's, you know, it's an interesting point because how, think, how technologies can disrupt industries, because that was a hot stock back in the day. There was, it was. There was serious... There was two competing uh, uh, ones. Yeah, and they merged. It was 20 years ago or whatever. Yeah, they merged um, and hoping to uh, yeah. be able to control I never, prices. Um, I don't like them because the sound quality is not the same. At I, least it appears to me, maybe it is the same. Well, maybe it's my deaf ears, but the sound quality does not sound quite as rich as um, listening to my, Spotify. My children wanted to know if I actually knew the people that ran the satellite company because I was probably the last uh, client. <laughs> <laughs> But then I was I in I think a, there's like, didn't Howard Stern, isn't that the only place he... Oh, that he, was... He, he, not that I've ever been listen, a Howard Stern fan, but... How could you not miss Howard Stern? That is not why I signed up. I don't think I've ever up. listened to Howard Stern. That so is maybe not I, why I signed up. Um, he's actually, he's he's somewhat crude, but I'll tell you, he gets great... You listen to Howard Stern. I have And you read Playboy for the articles. I don't even... I don't <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just... Okay... <laughs> Okay. He's crude if you set that aside. But he has some great, he interviews some really uh, outstanding rock stars uh, and not politicians. Do you actually listen to him? This oh, is yeah. way off base. What yes, we're I have. About yes, I have. I, not on a regular basis. It's not like I tune That's into the guy. That's not why you subscribe to Sirius. No, no. To but, listen to it. All right, let's just move on. And your on. kids are probably like that old guy because he's got to be older than mid-70s or something by now yes. i would think if not yes. older. but listen the the rolling stones are still touring in their 80s, 80s. there's hope for all of us there's hope that for is all. amazing when you look at the rolling stones still touring like they're touring i, 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 I mean to figure that those four guys are all still healthy enough at that the first only of two of them are touring scott not well, i didn't know only that. two don't, of them don't, don't not all four of them interrupt my are, story but i went and saw elton john last year um and i'll tell you so they they show close ups um, on the large screens of his hands. This is a financial program. We'll get to it. Of his hands, and you think uh, when he's playing the piano, and you're thinking this guy's unbelievable. How how can he do that? And then when he gets up to walk across stage, you realize, oh, he is that old. He is that old. But his music was unbelievable. But you didn't realize he was. What's he in his late seventies, early eighties? I don't know. Anyway, I have no all right, idea. let's move on. Yeah, it's a financial show, but again, we got sidetracked, and that's an all-time record. We didn't get into the show more than two minutes before we got sidetracked. But as you mentioned, Sirius XM, it is a good example of how industries can be, and that was supposed to revolutionize radio. I and mean, we've been broadcasting long enough, so we remember back at uh, yeah, Clear people, Channel. People keep kept asking us, "Why aren't you?" Heart Radio was called Clear Channel. What was it called before? There was a conglomerate. There was all kinds of. Um, consolidation within the radio industry in the 90s. And then when Sirius XM, everyone was worried that that was going to displace terrestrial radio. But Apple displaced with the use of life. <laughs> but Apple did, yeah. <laughs> but Apple did. So completely outside the industry. Yeah. So um, Things anyway. change. Things change. And look at... Uh, things you, change. Th th go back. Well, look, the perfect example. Go back... The beginning of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It had 11 stocks in it. So now it's called the nine Dow. Of, nine of them were railroad, I believe. Nine were railroad. Nine were railroad. How many um, of those? And that means that they owned essentially the capitalization of the marketplace in the U.S. was railroad. 
Well, it's it's one of the reasons why index uh, investing has become so popular, right? So the S and P five hundred index, they essentially own the essentially the five hundred largest companies, and which as represents new, a, which represents somewhere between seventy five and eighty five percent of the market, market cap, cap yeah. in the in the United States. And so as companies emerge, they get added to the S and P five hundred, and as comp- larger companies, what maybe they get merged into somebody else, or they blow apart. They get dropped. They get irrele- become irrelevant. They get dropped from uh, the, that index. Which fund. is why. Th- so it's not really buy. It's not exactly buying and holding, like because there is some some changes there with companies that are still relevant. Yeah, there's movement inside of the index. But oftentimes, Pat, I know we all see it, particularly when someone inherits a stock, and they think, "Well, my dad said never sell this stock." Yes. Never sell Woolworth and Company. That company, everybody needs the five and dime store. Okay, that's a hundred percent true. What you just said, and what I always say to the, the the my clients that tell me that is, you know, the stock doesn't know you own it. It has no emotional attachment to you. You should not have an emotional attachment to an asset. You can have an emotional attachment to your home. But it still is an asset. Everything else, there should be no emotional attachment to it. And last week we had Suzanne Conrad, a director of tax solutions at Allworth, talking about some year-end things. We're still in the middle of December. Look, if you've got, maybe you have some inherited assets, there's some gain in it, you might want to realize some of those gains this year. Maybe this is the time for you to get serious about yeah. it. And most certainly dig through the portfolio and see if you've got losses. Yeah. So anyway, we had a great program. We've got some callers lined up. And we've got um, a special guest as well. But let's do let's do. A and couple. who is the special guest? We will let we will. Uh, we let's take the guest. We're first teasing. Then. We're going to let the callers. Uh, we'll do the callers in a minute. So we got Mark Schoen. He's one of our financial advisors here at um, at Allworth. And Mark, we've we've known Mark. We started with Mark years thirty some years ago. Kind of took took a couple paths, and then Mark, you became part of Allworth when in May of twenty one. May of 21. Yeah, so about two and a half years. Right in the middle of kind of the lockdown-ish era still. Yeah, we just gone, got through it there in, in 20, but yeah, May started talking uh, late 20, in the middle yeah. of lockdown, and uh, May of 21. And you you spend most of your time with uh, existing clients, and like, what's your typical client like that you work with? Yeah, so I have about- like this, a, In the last week, give us an example of two or three clients you talked with, and what are the kind of stuff you did with them? Yeah, so- um, had a uh, meeting a couple days ago, someone who's selling some real estate, and we're looking at doing a DST, taking smart part of it as taxable, doing a DST so it's a real estate transaction and, and going through um, tax issues there. Just got and off a the DST call. for those that don't know what DST is. Yeah, it's, it's a way to do a 1031 exchange, yeah. um, Delaware statutory, statutory trust. Um, they're pretty complex. Um, there's a lot of them with a lot of fees. <laughs> There's some of them without fees, so um, you've got to do a lot of work there. Um, we do, we do that. Just got off a call before coming here, but somebody who's looking to um, downsize in retirement, sell their home. What does that ta- taxation look like? What should the portfolio look like coming out of that? But it's What's the new purchase? Those kind of things. When for single people, they can exclude two fifty, and a married couple can exclude five hundred. But there's a lot of homes now, particularly in, in California, the gains can be much greater than that. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, I just did a little tax calculation. That was the worst part of the call, just for the record. <laughs> just, <laughs> right. just to tell them how much. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, so it's those things. I mean, a lot of these things around this time of the year are really around planning. So I know you kind of did some year-end planning um, things and teeing things up for next year. So all the work that you've done throughout the year, you're just coming in with a final check of saying, have we done everything we need to do? Because uh, financial world kind of has a stop and a start on uh, December 31st. Uh, so you, you better get your ducks in yeah. a row. Um, and you, you should be doing the work throughout the year, but that's the kind of stuff. Let's pivot to uh, next year because yeah. for most of us, we <laughs> if we look back to the beginning of the year, a lot of us had, I'd like to do this this year and these sort of things. And I've got these resolutions. And now it's the end of the year. Yeah. Okay, now we've got some of those things done. We didn't do some. Now it's time for kicking things off in 2024. What are some of the key things that, you, that you've experienced in working with people that have led yeah. to success uh, as far as doing some planning? Yeah, so I, I think the one, um, I'll start with the worst topic that everyone hates, which is budgeting. Um, so 
Um, I think it's important. I hate budgeting. Uh, yeah. No, I hate, I hate it too. <laughs> I actually tell clients, it's, it's kind of funny. We go through this and, you know, we're not like dialing in like how much you spend at Starbucks. I'm like, don't worry. I won't walk across the street at the Starbucks, see you buying a Starbucks. Hey, I didn't see that in the budget. <laughs> you know? So you don't want to, you don't want to do that. But I think you want to get um, two different types of clients. So there's the pre uh, pre-retirees from a budget standpoint. And really it's kind of big picture budget and looking at what you're going to earmark to do the important things in pre-retirement. One is savings. How are we going to earmark savings um, to do that? Like what percentage or dollar amount? Yeah. Yeah. And how does that fit into your, fit into your plan just to make sure that you're getting the spot check on, on that or buying down debt or gifting, or there's a lot of things that you're looking at. So that's where budgeting kind of fits in to make sure that you get a check there. The bigger one around budgeting, in in my opinion, is to really get a good, good understanding of the budget for tax reasons. Because if you're in, in, in retirement and you're recreating the paycheck, as I call it, you want to understand how do I go about recreating the paycheck? So I may have Social Security. I may have a pension. I may not. I've got IRA. I've got Roth. I've got a taxable account. I need $8,000 a month. How do I get it? How do, how do I do that? So it's doing some of that tax planning, understanding what the total spend is going to look like. In retirement. In retirement. So you can cap the tax rates yeah. that, yes. you, that you're dealing with. Um, which is why, which is why uh, you know, the, the Roth, when you and I first started in the industry, you had no such thing as a Roth, right? right? $2,000 IRA contributions. Yeah, and we would use, use tax-efficient investing on an after-tax basis, and then the Roth comes in, and it just makes it— and so it falls into the seventh part of our uh, seven personal decision points planning, which is the distributions. Where are they going to come from in retirement? So some people are like, well, I'm in such a high tax bracket. Does a Roth make sense or not make sense? Well— it may or may not, right? Yep. If it allows you to have that net spendable income in retirement and keep yourself in a low marginal tax rate. Right. That's the goal, right? Right. And, and then to come back to the pre-retirement, is you want to start with the end in mind, right? So you can't get to retirement and say, okay, how do I recreate the, the, the paycheck? And you're like, well, all your money is in an IRA, so you're going to take a dollar and I'm going to send 30 cents of it to the federal government and you're going to get the rest. You know, have a nice day. <laughs> right. So we don't certainly do- all had a lot of clients like that, though. That's yeah. Not yeah. uncommon. Right. It's more common than not. It's more common than not. So that's why when you're in pre-retirement, it's like, you know, how, you know, should I get started? Should I do retirement plan modeling? Why am I doing it now when it's 10 years away? Because the things you're doing today set you up to do the right things later, later on. So it's, it's illustrating conceptually those types of, of things. So that budgeting and, and you look at it around uh, portfolio, what kind of dividends are going to be kicked off there? What kind of capital gains are we looking at? Do we have any capital loss carry forwards? We really want to get down to what's the tax return going to look like at the end of 2024. Conceptually. Conceptually. And then you get down to the end. It allows you to do some things around, you know, everyone's like Roth conversion. You can only do it once now, right? Can't take it back. You used to be able to recharacterize. So do you save that till the end of the year? Depends on how much room you have. If you get a big market downturn, do you do it then because you're using yeah. depreciated assets? So <clears throat> I think it's that conversation around budgeting feeds that. It's not to, you know, get down to the nickels, nickels and dimes. Uh, I just know my, my wife and I have never been, I mean, from early on in, in life, it's like, well, we're going to make sure we, we're, these are the things that are, we'll make sure we have got money for savings and et cetera, et cetera. And then it's, we'll just enjoy the rest as long as we're. But it particularly works as a, when you're a young person, right? Just yep. yeah. this is what I have to. This is, these yeah. are the, these are the things that ha- I have to do first. Yeah, I got to pay my mortgage. I got to pay my insurance. Yeah. yeah. The other thing, I mean, I think an, <clears throat> another thing that um, you know, when you're talking about resolutions and things to do, this is more of a uh, a th- thing that I think would be really helpful for people, and it's to dive into behavioral finance a little bit. Um, for folks. So if you think about what the next three weeks are going to look like, <clears throat> what happens at the end of December every year, you're home for the holidays. And a lot of people, if they're interested, they flip on CNBC and then you're going to have a whole predictions show. You're gonna, in the you're family? Have, you, no, or you're going to have show. You, on the show. You're and have, in the family. And in the family. You're going to have six. Well, that's all, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. my family, 
we make it a tradition every Christmas morning to watch CNBC. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this would be like, the, let's just go between Christmas and New Year. Okay, perfect. <laughs> we would do that. But um, what they'll, do, you know, they'll have six economists on, and here's the contest. Where's the S&P going to end? What's the yield going to end? What's going to do this? And um, I always kind of laugh because does anybody ever go back and check these no, things? No, of course not. Right. So I, I, I say, you know, they have last year's winner on. I'm like, get a good look at them or her because you probably <laughs> you won't, won't see them again. That's right. Years. <laughs> it's um, pure luck. It's, it's pure luck. And what happens is people, um, it is, it's, there's something called confirmation bias. So if you feel very strongly the markets are going to do well on this, you're going to listen to those people. If you're always kind of like, oh, I'm worried about the market, you're going to listen to the, those people. So behavioral finance has a big part in, in what you're going to um, uh, what you're going to do. So I think people should spend some time reading about behavioral finance early in the year. If you're going to put it on your reading list, put Dan O'Reilly um, from Duke, Richard Thaler, um, Daniel Kahneman to understand the emotions of investing because it'll, it, I think it'll really, really help you. And a story that I, it's not a story, a truth that I share with clients all the time, particularly as we're kind of onboarding a new client and we've set up a portfolio. I, I tell them, I said, if you watch the market every day, you check your value every day and watch the market every day, I go, here are the numbers roughly. I haven't looked in a couple of years, but they haven't changed that much. Markets are up 52% of the time. On a daily basis? On a daily basis. 52% of the days they're up and 48% of the days are down behaviorally it's proven losses hurt twice as bad as winning feels good that's right so 48 times two <laughs> 96. 96 bad minus 52 you're perpetually feeling awful while making a lot of money over time and it's just kind of no way no way to no way to live that's so, a great way to explain it i have never heard it like that what a great way to explain it mark that's the reality though that is it is and if you look weekly, it's a little better. You look quarterly. You look annually you know, at 75, funny. 25. <laughs> so, so, so you get there, there, there <laughs> There's a There's a, an advisor in our industry that's become a bit of a um, spokesperson and um, uh, named Nick Murray. Yeah. And he's big on behavioral finance. And But he, he, I've heard him speak a couple times. He always starts off with that, I love equities. That's his whole thing. I love equities. Mm-hmm. And it's, the older I get, the more I actually have that feeling because – over the like, they're it's they're not easy to own over any periods of time, right? Just yeah. when things are going crazy, you're like, uh oh, it's too high. And when, but if you look over a longer period of time, I started in the industry in 1990. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was roughly 2,600. Yeah, right. Look where it's at today, 30 some years later. I'm pretty confident the next 30 years. I don't know if it'll be the same kind of growth, but I'm pretty confident it's going to grow. And it requires very little work. Well, I don't have to worry about S- Scott. I believe that that is the truth for any asset, any asset. It's just because the stock market and bond market are traded on a daily basis. You know what the value is. Oh, Pat, I always say like when I say real estate, why people are um, can be more successful in real estate. Someone doesn't knock on your door every day and tell you the price of your house. That's right. But now you can get it on Zillow. Yeah, so. now it's, <laughs> but even, it's a little, it's but, a little but, different. But even still, even still, right? It's not, you don't pay any attention to the Zillow because you know that, eh, you know, if I sold my house, my house is probably worth that much more than that. But any asset. So the more information doesn't necessarily make you a better investor. Mm -hmm. How you consume that information makes you a good investor. How you react to that. And that's where personal finance or personal, your own understanding, your own view of the world. Well, and the behavior of finance has an impact too on on your spending and your savings, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, you feel you feel more empowered. Markets going up, I can spend more. Um, markets going down, I, you know, I, I better I better watch. How many it. conversations do you have with people over the years? Right, like it's been a good year. They want to take some extra money out of their. Hey, that's such a great year. I'm gonna we're gonna take this trip or yeah. buy this car or whatever. And then they're like, well, wait a minute, there's gonna be a down year. We need. Yeah. Well, not not only that. So I mean, there's just some interesting things. Um, the way returns come to you. Um, so one of them, if you earn 7% a year in, in a portfolio, history says only one out of every 10 years are you within 10% of that annual return. So if you earn 7, 6.3 to 7.7, 7, 
one of every 10 calendar years are you going to be in that range. The rest of them, you're going to be up 12, down one, up four, up 22, down six. Down, and then you put it all on the wash, 7% a year. That sounds <laughs> right? good. Yeah. Right? So, so only if you stay. Only if you stay. Only if you stay. And behaviorally, it's, it's really difficult. It's difficult. And let's just look at last year versus this year. I think this is the, one of the most interesting times the way people look at portfolios. You mean 2023 versus 2022. Yes. So if you look, the market bottomed in so far, you know, who knows where you go, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's bottomed in October 15th of 2023. And look at it. From that time, it's up 25% and nobody knows it. And you know why they don't know it? Because the market was down 25 and then it rallied seven in the fourth quarter. And they're like, hey, I lost a bunch of money in 2022. And 2023 has been great, but I'm still not back to even. They and they're fall, up. They fall in love with the high water mark. Yeah. And it's it, it's 25% from the bottom. Bond, bonds finally up a, a little bit. But I just think there's a lot of kind of explanation risk. So understanding the behavioral side of that, kind of reading through that and 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 how you you frame things. You know, that that's, I think that's called anchoring uh, when you talk about it. It is. You, you anchor, yeah. Um, so th there's all these different concepts that I think are helpful for people to learn as, as investors. To understand themselves. Correct. Correct. Right. Not and to understand the markets. Yeah. Validate their feelings and kind of understand. Like this is normal. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the same thing if you've got, let's say you've a, a weight issue and you're trying to, you, you might learn some about what's going on physiologically mm -hmm. and emotionally and those triggers and how to, how to be prepared for those when those, those, you get those certain cravings and. What are some other things you can do so you don't do something foolish? Did, did high watermark trigger that weight thing? <laughs> <laughs> we we are all we're all guilty of that. Oh yeah, yeah. right. We're all guilty. I mean, I know I like I, I, and then when things go back downwards, like well, no one likes things going down in value. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to be an investor. Yep. It's, so what? It's the, it's the price of it. It is. It's, it's, the, the, it's the, price the price of, of excess returns. Re, of excess returns. Yeah. It's a it's a price above a risk free asset. If it were seven percent every year, every year it would be two percent. That's there's right. no risk. Yeah, that which would be a risk free asset. That's correct. Right. So, what's your prediction for twenty twenty four? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm I'm, go I'm going Warren Buffett on that one. It's great. He's the only guy that that gets away with it. He's on CNBC once, you know, every couple of years. Do you watch CNBC? I watch it because I want to know what my clients are watching. Okay. I have it on mute. Most of the time. So it's on, so I'm watching. It, like on your office, you've it's got It's in my office. I have there. it. And then if I see somebody who's interesting, who's well followed, I'll, and I'm not on a call, I'll unmute. I think more I, advisors. I want to know, know what they're saying. I think more people in the industry watch CNBC than yeah. our clients. Yeah. My favorite time to watch is when you get market downturns because they have the same three guests all the time. And it's the guests that they have called 100 out of the last two recessions. Yeah. They're all bears. Perma bears and... Yeah, so. Yeah, and what do you, I, I think this, you know, the recession, 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 recession. And I always think everyone's acting like this is going to be the first recession we've ever been through. It's like, what? Okay, there's a recession. What does that mean? Yeah. What I mean, yeah. is it a big recession? Is it a bad recession? Is it a recession no one notices? What happens if we do go into a recession? What are we going to do about it? Do you want to know what's crazy about the, the recession that, that I just um, I, lo I looked at this, and so recession definitionally is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. We had one. We actually had oh, one. Oh, no, they changed the definition. Changed that's, the what defin I'm that's what I'm saying. But it was like, yeah, that but energy, you strip definition. out energy prices and you know the price of milk, and you do this, and it wasn't a recession. But if you look, this market has been almost uh, right along pattern. So markets tend to bottom right in the, right in the middle of a re recession, October 15th, like, it's almost textbook. Yes. Ironically. But but the press leans into this recession. Yeah. So I don't know where the market's going. I'm, I'm going more about it. <laughs> it's funny. People, People ask more me. On it. People yeah. ask me, and I'll say, I might have my opinions, but I'm not going to direct any investment decisions based on what my opinion of what might happen. Well, no. I'm pretty sure it's going to do one of three things. Yeah. <laughs> things <laughs> expand, stay the same. or, or, or That's exactly. But we shouldn't worry about that. Right. We should not worry about that. Yeah. What we should worry about is long-term growth of the economy. Right. Long-term. Long-term. And a well-diversified portfolio. Yeah, and then how it goes into the, you know, the, the next kind of resolution I'm going to look, and you should be doing this kind of as you go, but it's to spot-check the allocation and not based on 
necessarily what you think is going to happen with the markets because we know you don't know what, what that's going to be, but you do it based on cash flows. What are the cash flow needs? So the way that, that I look at it is I say any money you're going to spend in the next year to maybe even two years has to be in cash, cash equivalent, short-term investments. 100%. That's right? right. Anything three years to six years, five or six years, that can be fixed income or bonds. And guess still what? Not it's still not stocks. Anything five years or longer, that's to outpace inflation. So that's what you're spot checking. You don't worry about the stock part. You, you know you're going to get volatility and excess returns. Fixed income should be a little more stable unless you have the worst bond market in 40 years like last year. Um, and then the cash is the cash. So I think that's the spot check on the, on the allocation. There are tilts and things that you should do around the economy, and, and but, you know, but, we, we but, do that. But. but the idea being is that um, you shouldn't let your portfolio drift. Correct. Right, which is that's what most people do. Though. But most people do; they let their portfolio drift, and then they don't want to sell their winner. Well, yeah. So, so, well, it's set it and forget it. Right, you'll get old romp appeal. <laughs> You're just like set, set and forget your portfolio, and then and then it drifts. And then the other one that comes into behavioral finance, it's recency bias. Bias. This ETF's doing great. I want more of that, and I want less of the one that did poorly. Yeah. And you're like, actually, it's the opposite. So, I just, I just, just like, I always anchor myself. I've, I have a client that retired from GE uh, 15 years ago, um, at least 15 years ago. And he's like, why would I sell GE? Must have been longer than 15 years yeah, ago because they were already on the death spiral. Yeah, at that point. Uh, it was, I started working with them 25 years ago. but the, And then I was slowly getting rid of the GE until finally I, he, every argument was, why should I sell GE, Pat? Until one day it flipped, which is, why do I own GE, mm -hmm. right? And at that point in time, 25 years ago, you would look at General Electric and think, this is a well-diversified portfolio. It's got healthcare Everywhere. in it. Yeah. It's got finance in it. It's got real estate in it. It's got uh, heavy industrials and consumer. And look at it. And it well, just, and as we're moving into next year, taking a good look at your overall allocation it's a perfect time to do it and especially oh, yeah. if you're owning a ton of tech stocks outside of a an index because the indexes are overweighted tech right now well they're not overweighted they're accurately weighted. yeah they're accurate yeah but if you own a bunch of it on the outside it gets even more dangerous and if you've done your work uh in previous years you've probably done a lot of tax loss harvesting you hope. Uh, yeah, that you've done that. So you have some room to rebalance without taxation. I mean, you don't want to let the tax tail wag the dog, but you have some room uh, some room to do that. To capture gain. Yeah. That's yeah. the other thing I would say, like just with this this volatility, um, I will also tell clients, and, it, and it's true, I said, the best case scenario is for you to have a lot of volatility on a trend up. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, but that's, I mean, but you want volatility. So like, don't be afraid of it. This is actually a good thing for your portfolio. All right. Well, Mark, thanks for taking Thank you. some time. Thanks. As always, thanks for uh, joining the team. Yeah. Uh, two and a half years ago. It's, I've known you for over 30 years, and uh, we worked together 30 years ago, and now we're back. We're putting the band back together. Yeah. So appreciate it. Hey, let's uh, take a couple calls here. We're in California talking with Paul. Paul, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey, thank you, gentlemen, for taking my call. Yeah. Really enjoy your podcast and your advice. So I had a question for you. And it has to deal with converting dollars from my traditional IRA to a Roth. I believe on some of your past shows I've listened to, you recommend converting dollars now to lessen your potential tax Sometimes. increases in the future. Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes. All yes. right. So last year I converted uh, 70000 uh, which kept me, I wanted to stay in the 24% tax bracket. How old are you? But I'm 71, retired three years and have RMDs when I'm 73. I've got income from deferred income and we'll have a pension when I get 73. Okay. And I have taken social security. You have not. Uh, no, I have at okay. 70. I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my question is, is I did that. Of course I had to pay, taxes yeah. on it, which increased, increased it. And my, my CPA tax advisor was wondering why in the world I was voluntarily increasing my tax payments. 
his well, strategy and recommendation is never pay taxes until basically you have to or you need it. How big is your so, IRA? Uh, about 1.4. And uh, that non and you said you had some money coming in out of deferred compensation. I assume that was right. a non-qualified deferred compensation. Correct. Okay. And it yields about 180,000 a year. And, and when does that run till? Um, well, it's good for this year and next year. And then it drops down about 130 for a couple of years and then 65 K for another four years. That so was a 10 year okay. deferred. And you said you have a pension kicking in and what time year does the pension kick in? Uh, when I'm 73, I deferred it till then. And how so, much would that pension be a month? Uh, it's I don't know, $1,200 a month. Not much. Okay. So you converted uh, enough to keep you uh, right at the top of that 24% tax bracket before it went jumped Correct. from 24 to 32. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah. what's your question for us then? Well, what's, what's the right way to do this? I mean, uh, not pay taxes until later, which I think you folks have recommended to do it now because who knows what's going to happen with taxes in the future. No, we, I mean, for just, us, it's, it's really, wait. it's really about what the, we look at what some knowns that we have. And so oftentimes we'll recommend it. If someone has, let's say $3 million or $4 million in their retirement accounts and the retired required minimum distributions are going to be more than they're going to be converting now anyway. And then like, it's kind of a no brainer. Um, I don't know if I would have actually um, converted in this manner because of that non-qualified that deferred declining over time the unqualified deferred compensation that's declining over time. And, and, right. and so, and I'd look at my, my yeah, I'm kind of like, what's your, what's your so income going to be in three years, five years, eight years. So you can map, you can just do this on a spreadsheet or you can do it by hand. Just map your income, map your year income. By year. I've done that year by year. By year. So you like say year 10, what's your income going to be? Ballpark. Um, ballpark. It's, Two hundred and twenty-two thousand. That includes what I'm going to need to take for the RMDs, the Social Security, and then yeah, the deferred income. And what was your income so, last year? Uh, it was uh, two sixty. That's a push. You didn't hurt two yourself. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's well, a, I, I could I argue. I could argue both don't sides like of it. To pay taxes. So, uh, well, you're going to pay them at some point in time, um, and I could argue both sides of it. You didn't hurt yourself. Okay. Well, that's good. I, this doesn't look like a mistake to me whatsoever. It's a very small portion of your retirement account. Yeah, you didn't. I could make an argument. I could argue both sides. Yeah, of it. you're kind of in the middle on it. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't see anything wrong with what you've done here whatsoever. I've seen people okay. convert way too much, and I'll tell them that. Um, yeah, I don't. You don't. I mean, unless you plan on moving to Florida tomorrow from California, then you paid Cal no. Gavin Newsom some money you didn't have to pay. <laughs> I don't think he gets it all himself. He only gets part of it. Scott. I don't know. Look at his hair. Look, I, <laughs> I don't know. Seems to be doing okay. <laughs> no, you you know, as most politicians for some um, reason seem to be doing okay. How much money is in your IRAs versus your Roth IRAs right now? The IRA has about one point four, and the I the Roth is only like. Ninety thousand. Yeah, I mean, I think. Look, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, I wouldn't even I mind if you, you could convert a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I think it's good that you have a, a diversified tax. I mean, strategy. given given the fact that your your income is going to be over two hundred thousand for the rest of your life, I you can make like what's the chances of tax rates going down on retirees with incomes north of two hundred thousand? What do you think those chances are, Paul? Um. Probably greater than 50-50. What are the chances no. uh, that they're going to go down, not up? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Probably, oh, to go down? Yes. Yeah, yeah no, probably no. Yeah, well, we, we would gotta, agree with you. we got to pay for all these giveaway yeah, I know. Yeah, so so if you believe that Giving your tax rates, money. if you believe tax rates are going to go up for higher income people, I would make the argument that the conversion is not only warranted, it's recommended, and that you should do some more. Yeah, but I still want to just 
stay in my tax bracket. Yep, I get it. Yep. So anyway, you're fine. All right. Well, I'll I'll do that. You're good. Uh, you're taxes good. are always a fun thing to By do. By the way, most but... most tax preparers are of the mindset of. They they don't they're not they don't do tax planning but by and large so they don't think about multi year planning. They look at year to year, and I can tell you enough. I've seen enough people with required minimum distributions are pushing them into higher tax brackets. I'm thinking, had you would have con- had you converted. I mean, I Pat, I remember a client years ago came in right in in the latter part of um, March. They they want to make an IRA contribution, a deductible IRA contribution. And I'm like, what? Well, yeah, we just saw our, and I've been trying to con- get them to convert to a Roth, which is exactly the opposite. Right. And they, and because they were in a very low tax bracket, and he was required minimum distributions were going to kick in in two years. And I said, look, I know what your income is going to be in two years, just based on the required minimum distributions and Social Security. I said, you're going to be in a higher tax bracket in two years. I forget what the delta was on it, but like the accountant was was wrong. Completely wrong. They were worried about tomorrow. They, they were, were worried, worried about all they were worried about is today's taxes, and not. It was so obvious in two years from now. I said, "Look, those same exact dollars you're paying, trying to get me now, I'm going to have to give back to you, but we're going to have to pay more taxes than the deduction you're getting today." Makes so no you sense. Open- no, we we did not no. open the IRA, and you I didn't. did. I got him. I finally convinced him to convert some to an IRA because I made it my personal a Roth mission. IRA. A Roth. I made it my personal mission that year to see that I was going to do it because it was the right thing to do, and you made it your personal mission. Well, okay, maybe that's a stretch. Here's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, to de- I have a personal mission to deepen my relationship with God, to love my family more, okay. to create. It was on the list of missions <laughs> to cre- create better connections it, with those people around it was, me. Uh, maybe it's down the list of personal missions <laughs> to for the year. show gratitude <laughs> and to convert the Smiths' money to a Roth IRA. <laughs> Well, pretty good until you got to the raft. <laughs> That's funny. Hey, thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate the, the right. call. That was good, Pat. All right, that was funny. Uh, it was funny you <laughs> saying it. Okay, well, maybe I used the wrong phrase, personal mission. That might have been a little little, little deeper than I, my desire to see them convert. <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, you want people to do the right thing with their finances. <laughs> personal mission. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we done? <laughs> An intermediate, intermediate, but not very satisfying goal. Okay. Now talk with Charles. Charles, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hello, gentlemen. I wanted your opinion on whether you think it's beneficial for a married couple to combine finances. Okay. How long combine have you been married? Uh, just celebrated 10 years back in November. All right. Why are you keeping things separate? You know, when we met, we had already had our own careers, uh, used to paying our own bills, our own separate bank accounts. We're a little bit older. And we just kind of fell into it haphazardly where very arbitrarily, well, you pay these bills and I'll take care of that. In some ways, it's nice because we divide responsibilities of who keeps track of what. But um, we're kind of at a point now uh, where I've been doing some reading and and, uh, talking to other couples who've been married longer that um, it's actually uh, with the two of you kind of rowing in the same direction and planning now kind of for retirement, it, um, uh, there's benefits to just combining. Do you file your taxes together? Oh yeah. Okay. And do you have children from a previous marriage? Neither one of us know. And do you have children now? Correct. Two. Oh, you do? Like, you're responsible for one of them, and then she's responsible for the other one. And the kids are like, why does my brother always dress so nice? Don't ask me. Ask your mom. Um, I mean, it's highly unusual, Charles. Ten years of marriage with kids, first marriage, to keep things separate. And, I mean, I guess my, like, if... If neither one of you... If it's working for both of you, and it's not causing any issues, and it works, like... I don't see a real problem with it as long as you guys do your planning together and stuff. And the planning says what's how much money is going to the 401k. What do we need for our college education? What do we need for retirement? Do we have any other financial goals? Do I have the right amount of uh, term life insurance on myself? Yeah. Right? Is that is that taking place between the – are those conversations taking place between the two of you? Yes. We're both maxing out um, our retirement plans, putting into 529 um, I think we could be doing better, though, if we were, 
you know, kind of knew exactly, you know, how much cash was coming in. For example, my wife built up a hundred thousand dollars, just cash savings. <laughs> I said, well, I think we could be doing something better with it with cash, but it is kind of our plan to sit down. I mean, what normally happens, advisor. what normally happens, just like other household chores that one spouse ends up doing more than the other, right? It, it usually happens in finances that one spouse takes on the responsibility of managing the household finances, paying the bills, figuring out where to put the money. I'm married in an accountant, so. We know who does the bills in your family. That's right. Yeah. And then, but I manage the portfolio. Well, you are in the industry. Well, it made it a lot easier that way. Um, yeah, I. it's highly unusual to, to not see it uh, managed through a, a single household. It, it, it's not unusual to see it before children. That I, I will yep. give you. Or second marriage, or second marriage, but you don't have any of that. Um, and I would, I if, and it's not your money and her money because it's community. You live in California, community property state. Ten year, like you each own half of each other. You know, fifty percent of yeah. You that hundred thousand dollars that your wife saved, of fifty thousand of it's yours. Yeah, and it would actually allow you. So I assume that you're making uh, either non deductible or deductible uh, IRA contributions and then converting them to Roths. Uh, not yet. Okay. So, so this is where, this is where, uh, this would actually, I would make the argument that you should be doing it together because planning would have told you that there's all this money in cash and it was accumulating up over time and it would have provided an opportunity to allow some sort of a tax. I mean, benefit. it's not mine and yours. It's ours. And so I would, you know, if you sat down and said, okay, let's look at this quarterly basis. Oh, who's going to take this responsibility and this responsibility? It's going to allow for better financial planning to take place, quite frankly. There's no question about that. Because you noticed that, and it wasn't bothering her, correct? The hundred grand in cash? Right. Right? And so, right. you know, we all have different views of the world, and you're going to allow two people to look at it. And you would have said, well, you know, when we got to 40000 should we be thinking? And then, like, you're in tax planning, like, well, should we put more in the 529 or should we make an after-tax contribution to a non-deductible IRA and then convert it to a Roth IRA? I would combine them together. It's going to get better financial planning uh, outcomes out of it, as long as it doesn't ruin the relationship. Right. And I don't she's live in your... <laughs> oh, she's more hesitant. I am. Yeah. Um, ah. well, but, I'm not a psychologist uh, or a licensed therapist, but I have seen many. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's your call. It's from a financial planning standpoint, it will make it easier. But if, if that's why I was uh, calling to get your opinion to uh, might maybe play this back. So, I wouldn't, well. I gotta tell you, I've been, I mean, and, and you know, look, um, we all do things in our marriages to <laughs> make accommodations for one another in a variety of ways. Right. And, if your wife feels strongly about it, maybe what you do is say, hey, why don't we once a quarter or every six months, let's have a session where we look at all of our finances and look at what our goals are and what's, what what things that we need to do to accomplish those goals. Yeah, are our dollars being utilized uh, the most efficient way possible? And that might be a And maybe there's part compromise. of her is a fear that you're going to start controlling her spending. I thought of that, but that's absolutely you know, counter to my personality and history. There's yeah, but there's know, probably inside. something in her background, something that she it's she, she feels like she's losing some control. Yeah, well, and I'm not that's a, possible. I'm not a, right. I'm not a I, licensed look, therapist, uh, by uh, any uh, means. Uh, but uh, I'm going to tell a story. Something. I'm going to tell a story. Right. I'm going to tell a story. It's a pretty personal story. I've been uh, married for 37 years now. I got married quite young. I thought so anyway. Um, so my wife is an accountant. She has a degree in accountant. She's been a practice, not a CPU, but an accountant. So she, I mean, look, she does it great. Well, about 20 years ago, um, I would take money out of the ATM and sometimes I would forget to tell her. I just wouldn't give her the receipt. And so um, she took the ATM card out of my wallet and said, you cannot have an ATM. You're not responsible enough. <laughs> You're not responsible enough to uh, tell me when the money out and telling me isn't the same as 
giving me a receipt. You need to give me a receipt, and you need to give it to me within 24 hours of this. So she, as you can imagine, I mean, there's control <laughs> issues going on here. So she took it away. And anytime I needed money, cash, I would ask her, and she would um, actually have it next to my keys within three days, a couple hundred dollars sitting on the counter. And that went on like that for four or five years. And then one time um, I asked for money and she said to me, do you know how hard it is to get that money out of the machine? And I said, I appreciate your plight, but it can't be any harder getting it out of the machine than it is getting it into the machine. (laughs) (laughs) And I said... I, I spent. I'll a, worry about getting it in. I said I spent a good amount of my day trying to get money into that machine. So, so if taking it out has become too much of a burden, now you can hear some sarcasm in here. Then maybe I'm just going to take over that responsibility myself. So I ended up having to go back to the bank and getting my own ATM card. Um, but there was a control issue, and it exists to this day, which is fine. It works great. It's it, it. Anyway, I don't know why I told that story, but I. But I think you can accomplish all of your financial objectives and still have your account separate if it's if it's that meaningful to your wife. That's right. That's right. I wouldn't mess with that. All right. Appreciate <laughs> okay, the call. Well. All right, Thank and you. call us for any uh, counseling anytime, Charles. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <Thank laughs> well, yeah, well, we'll give you how to parent, parent, parental counseling oh, next. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so good at that one. <laughs> what did you tell me years ago? You, uh-huh. you told me years ago, like, if if I didn't, if if I realized that the input didn't matter as much, I wouldn't have tried so hard. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right. You look at young right? kids that they, but young couples, their first kid, uh, you know, all this stuff, and then they hit age their teenage years and they're crazy anyway. <laughs> it didn't matter. That's what you did. Uh, well, maybe it matters some. I must oh, have been having a, I must have been having a bad day. It does matter. It does matter. It does matter. <laughs> Let's head and speak with Deanna. Deanna, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hello. How are you? We're Dr. wonderful. Man? Thank you. Good. <laughs> Okay, I have a question regarding uh, an annuity that I have that it's been there a little over, well, probably about nine and a half years now. And I had put 250000 in there. And at the time I did it, I rolled over my 401k. I'd left my employer. And the financial advisor who convinced me that I should do this said it would be paying out about 60000 a year in retirement if I waited till I was 70. It'd be less than that if I started drawing sooner. But now that we're nine years down the road and it's been sold out to another company, um, and now I'm being told, no, it's nothing like that, and there's nothing I can do about it. The returns on it are terrible. I mean, after putting in 250000 it's only sitting at 310 now. And I and, just don't know. Should I the leave the money nine there? Years. Well, yeah. Is it in a fixed annuity or a variable annuity or equity index annuity? How's it? Oh my God! You're going to ask me questions. So, does it fluctuate? Will the could the three hundred ten thousand go down? So it it can go down, but it'll never go below what the amount is that I put into it. Okay. Okay. So it's got a it's got a floor on it. And are there any surrender charges still on this? No surrender charges have all passed. Did you buy it from a bank? Yep. How'd I know? Because they got a because the broker got a commission. We ran a show a number of weeks ago. This is ago. why we complain about annuities. It's not that there's there's never a right. place for them. It's yeah. just they're misused. Yeah, they're, uh, the so, majority of the time. So, in so what other assets are there? For myself? Yes. Um, so I'll have when I retire, I'll have my pension from the state of California. I've also got probably another hundred and ten thousand in a Roth four fifty seven B. I've got seventy thousand in a Roth IRA. Um, I've got. Another home that is paid in full that's probably worth about five hundred and fifty thousand now, uh, and I have about thirty five thousand sitting in the bank. And uh, how long have you been an employee with the state of California? Ten years. Okay, I would get the money out. There's no sense having this annuity. N- none at all. It's in it's in okay. a it's in an IRA, so it's what's mm-hmm. called qualified. So you you can just set up another IRA, and have it transfer there, and then invest in low cost investments, ETFs, yeah. and. Yeah, no you could have actually, for the cost that you paid for that annuity, you could have gotten uh-huh. really good financial advice over the no, years. I know. No, I, I realized that. And, I mean, I was really angry when I started 
delving into this thing and realizing that I had been sold, you know, a package that did not even exist. And it's sad because they, he was selling this to so many people oh, and right. telling them how great it was. And when I tried following up, they said he actually left the country. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, oh. look, look, the bank isn't the bank, your grandmother's bank anymore. These are, these are for profit. Look at all the fines that the yep. banks get for churning and for overcharging. Actually, the worst part of it is, is actually the, the customers that they do it to are the ones that can least afford to, to pay it oftentimes. You want to move it into an IRA, low cost. I'd go somewhere in a moderate portfolio in terms of risk. Um, and then what happens is you retire from the state. Your 457 can drop in there. And if you end up working with an advisor, get someone who's a fee-based advisor who's a fiduciary. I mean, they have a legal obligation to put your interest ahead of their own. And, and invest. don't invest in anything that's going to tie your money up. So invest in something you can get in today and you can get out tomorrow if you, if you so choose. Yeah. And if you want to fire that advisor next week, you can fire that advisor next week and you haven't made a bunch of uh, fees and commissions to put the investment portfolio. That's right. There. You can fire the advisor and actually keep the portfolio. Yeah. So, yes, okay. you, you just you, – you Yeah, just, there's no need to – there's no – you have no benefit of staying in this yeah, You know what I would have done nine and a half years ago with it? I would have had her buy. Yeah, I should have left it. I should have left it in the market where I had no, it because uh, it was making good money. <laughs> I would have had you buy airtime from the state of California with it. Well, okay, so I missed that by six weeks. Okay, all right. Well, then I would because have. I actually, I actually <laughs> had money set aside when I went to work for the state to do that, and I missed it because the cutoff was December thirty first, okay. two thousand and twelve. And even though I had been offered the job, they didn't finalize paperwork uh, until the middle of February. Yeah. And so that all went out the window. Uh, and oh, also oh well, you know what, Dan? You're, you're doing okay. Yeah, You're no. in a good spot here. <laughs> Just hire a Don't good think advisor. back what you could have done. Well, I just told her what I, I brought it up, though. I, that's what yeah, I, I would have done, but I wouldn't have done didn't it because she didn't have the opportunity. Yeah. Okay, appreciate the call. Yeah. Thanks, Deanna. Thank you. Well, unfortunately, that is the time of our show. Um, it's been great. Being here with everybody. I hope everyone uh, is ready for Christmas and all that stuff. Yes. And as always, if you've enjoyed this show, give us a review. Please give us a review. And forward this to somebody you think this could be helpful. Please, please, please. It helps us. Um, And I know you're not particularly interested in helping us, but we do appreciate it. (laughs) Thanks. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.